he could attest to that. I've written this one, oh, four or five times. Trying to make sense of where I think God would have me go, and I'm not sure with the message I have how many of you would address this, but I hope it addresses some of you because it's more of my story. Remember the last time I spoke to you about a month ago, I challenged you with, Acts 1.8 that said we are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, that city, in Judea, the area of the southern kingdom of Israel, into Samaria, the northern part, and then take it to the what? Uttermost parts of the world. And what does a witness do? Shares what they have seen. Shares what they have heard shares what they know to be. It's not a case that we need to go out and quote scripture. We just need to go and tell our what? Story. I challenged you then, do you have a story? Every one of us is to be born again. There's a day when we were not. There's a day when we are. There's a day that we were what is called in Adam, in our sin, and now we are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you are a what? new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have what? Becoming new. You should have a story if that's true. When did it change? What is new? And now as we talked in Sunday school, we need to take the dimmers off and we need to let that Christianity shine to a world that needs to see it. <clears throat> so I told you my story and I told you Peggy's story. Just to let you know, we have a story. That story took us up to when we came to know the Lord. And I came, <clears throat> let me get my text here to the right place. To Matthew 11 was really kind of the story of coming to the Lord, which is one we all know pretty well. Come to me, all ye who are what? weary and heavy laden and here's the promise I will what give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble at heart and you shall find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my load is light. That's where I ended up, eventually coming to him. You see, I started out with the concept of the Pharisees back in uh, John 5, where he said, you search the scriptures, thinking in them you will find eternal life, but you should have found what? Me, Jesus. Not me, but Jesus when you read the scriptures, we ought to find what? Jesus. They all should be leading us to them. But I started out believing that somehow I could work my way to heaven. I can just do more. And now I have this lady who I'm married to who goes out in the backyard and doesn't do more. She just prays and says, Lord, if I don't have you, I have nothing. And I'm going, well, that's great for her, but she didn't do anything. She didn't try. She didn't read. She didn't do all of that. She just knew if she didn't have Jesus, she what? She didn't have anything. I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for Jesus. 
I'm looking for scripture. I read and I read and I read until I was totally exhausted and broken. She got what I wanted. I couldn't get there. God wouldn't give it to me. And I was beaten down. And on a Sunday morning in a small church in Central Point, I surrendered and I just said, God, I don't know how to do this. Save me. And he reached down and did. Reaching down is an act of grace. By grace, I was saved that day and made a whole. You know what? That was the, one of the best days ever in my life. How much scripture did I know? Practically nothing. There was a vacation Bible school a couple weeks after that at this little church, and I remember the pastor telling the kids, you need to understand and learn John 3.16, and I thought, I wonder what that says. I didn't even know John 3.16. I hadn't been taught all of that. I had just met Jesus. I knew him, but I didn't know all those rest. So I set out on my new quest, and that is to learn. That's exactly what he said. Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn from me. I had this great hunger that I wanted to know everything. I would hear pastors take one passage and preach for an hour seemed like two sometimes, but at least an hour. And I'm going, where did you find all that stuff? I can't find all of that in that passage. I read it through and I'm going, it just says this, you know. And I wanted to know, how do you do that? How do you find all that? So I set out on a journey to learn, to understand. I listened to Christian radio and understood. Then I went to church and I began to listen to messages, but it soon I found out a truth. I was really not okay because most of the messages in the church were that I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't reading my Bible enough. There was a whole new set of rules that if you're a Christian, you should look like this. And all of a sudden, I'm back to where I was before, trying to keep a list of things that I never could keep in the first place. It reminds me a bit of a story found in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. If you want to turn there, it's one you know pretty well. It's contrasting two ladies, two sisters. Mary, what's her sister's name? Martha. Mary and Martha. Well, this is a great contrast of Peggy and Bob. I mean, you could change the names here and it pretty well fits. So let's read it real quick. Now, they were traveling along and they entered a certain village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So it's Martha's home. She's probably the eldest of the two. And she had a sister called Mary. You might as well put Peggy's name there. She had a sister named Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord seated at his feet. Mary is what? Very comfortable with her relationship with Jesus. She wants to sit. She wants to learn. Isn't that what the passage is? Take my yoke and learn from me. That's exactly what Mary is doing. But... That word, it means a contrast. We're going to contrast what Mary's doing with what Martha's doing. 
But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving all alone? It's a pity party, isn't it? I'm working hard, and I'm doing everything you're supposed to do. My sister is what? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking in what he has. I would like to do that, but somebody has to what? work in the kitchen. Now, I don't know how houses were really arranged then, but I'm going to tell this story as we would have it. There's a living area. That's where Jesus is and Mary. Then there's the kitchen. And guess who's in the kitchen? Martha. But is Martha having a good time? Martha is not having a good time. <clears throat> but the Lord answered to her and said, Martha, Martha, you don't want to ever hear your name said twice. Not with Jesus. That's, that's not good. When you were growing up, if somebody had to say to you, Amy, Amy, you knew you were in what? Trouble. Okay. So he's going to respond to her. So contrasting of the two, one is comfortable to rest. Isn't that what he promised? I will give you rest. Rest from what? Well, it says in chapter 4 of Hebrews that those who enter God's rest cease from their own works. So to rest in this kind of picture is I'm done trying to earn my way to heaven. Now he's given it to me and I'm just going to sit down and soak it in. This is the greatest place because this is where I belong. Then there's the Marthas of this life were stuck in the kitchen. Now, they're both followers of Jesus, but Martha is much more comfortable in what? Doing. Got things to do. Things to get done. So I'm going to put my own spin on this passage, and I'm going to add some stuff that's not in Scripture for my purpose. So I tell you right up front that, see, I believe Martha was looking for her praise in what she did. Mary was comfortable to just do what? Sit and listen. You know, when I got saved, I was a Martha. Busy, busy, busy trying to do, trying to get God's approval. You see, I grew up knowing this. I was never praised in my home for just being. I was never shown love for just being a person but I saw praise come when I excelled at something, if I got better grades or did this or could do athletics or whatever. So I had to set out in life to what? To do more. And if you did more, then everybody goes, look how good he is. That was love. But now you're on a path to do what? Do more. Then what? Do more. Do more. That's what was happening in my life. Now, Mary seems comfortable just to say, God saved me by his grace. I'm just going to sit and learn. Well, here's what I found, that as I heard all these messages with all these new rules, I thought we were done with the law, but there is a whole lot of rules being given to us in church that say, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to do this, 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 and this. Now, wait a minute, I thought I was a Christian by his grace. Not through works lest anyone should ever boast. 
But now I have a new task. I became a Mary on the day that I accepted Christ. For that was the first day. I didn't have any problems. I didn't have any things to do. For one day I was just a child of God, amazed that he would choose me. But it didn't take long with all of these lists of what I needed to do and all of this reading that I wanted to do, I had to set Mary aside and get the Martha back out of the kitchen and get to work. Doing what? Trying to earn what God had already given by his grace. When some people get to sit at the feet of Jesus and are comfortable and you can't, it makes you frustrated. It makes you angry at who? The one who is sitting when they would say, just come and sit down too. He's your Lord and Savior too. I don't think I can yet. I haven't earned my way back. I have to confess to you today, I'm a retired believer. A retired believer. Okay. Retired has two meanings. One, to cease from doing something. For instance, to cease from your job and to go home and never go back to work. I'm retired from something. But there's another meaning. When you put re in front of a word, it means what? Again. Yeah. So, tired again. So if I say, I want you to repaint the building, I expect you to do what? Put paint on it one more time. I want you to reprove this, or I want you to remove this. Re means do it again and again. Well, in that second sense, I'm a retired believer who is what? Tired again. You see, saved by grace should be sufficient to rest right there. But saved by grace doesn't help someone who's a Martha with a new list. Because now you have to set out and do what? Keep going. If I could only get enough, then one day Jesus will say, Bob, sit down, rest. Well, I can't go sit down now because you're probably going to look at me and say, get back to work. You're not there. But how come Pe Peggy Mary over there gets to sit? She has rested, which is a once-for-all action, not a continuous one, but if you happen to be a Martha in this world that you've always had to work to gain praise, then you have to get back to work and do what? Solve another situation. Keep another list. And I wonder, why are we not hearing messages on grace? Because grace settles the issue. For by grace you have been saved. Not might be, will be, you what? Have been. It's a finished work 
by his grace, through your faith, not of works, lest any of us should ever boast. That's where we should be. So I find that it's very easy to get back into trying to keep a new set of rules, trying to measure up to a certain standard, trying to do something and learn more. And if I learn enough, then I will be more approved by God. Instead of learning to know Jesus, I learn to know Scripture. It's an interesting thing. Jesus said, come to who? Me, him. See, Christianity is all about a relationship, isn't it? He wants to have a relationship with us. Working your way to doing good is religion. It's, it's very busy. The Pharisees were very religious. They did things and they did things and they did things, but they believed their doing would accomplish the task. When you have a relationship, you just belong to him. So we have to ask ourselves, do I have a personal relationship with Jesus? Is he my Lord and Savior? Remember in John 14, Jesus said, I'm going to go away and I'm going to my father's house. And in my father's house are many dwelling places or mansions. And I'm going to go there and prepare one for you. And then if I go, I will come and get you and take you back with me. little paraphrase of I like what Thomas said, because Jesus said right after that, you know the way, don't you? What do you think Thomas is thinking? Well, first he says, I have no idea where you're going, let alone how do you get there. I've not seen the map. The map must be some way to travel or some distance. And what did Jesus say? I am the way. It's relationship. Do you know me? then you know what? The way. Jesus calls us into a relationship with him, and he wants us to sit at his feet and rest and bask in all he has done for us. The difficulty we have, if you've only grown up knowing that love comes from doing, it's very hard to ever sit down and quit working. It's a sad, sad place to be. My task of going on to learn took me to Bible school and seminary. So I spent three years in Bible college getting a bachelor's degree in Bible. And then I stayed for two more years to get a master's degree in divinity. So I'm learning and learning and learning. We were in the word all day long, spending at least three hours a night in homework, in the Word, and working and working and working. And I remember coming to school one day, and there was an assembly, and they brought us to a big church auditorium. There was beautiful music playing. It was mellow. It was calm. And the instructor that day said, I just want you all to get off somewhere quiet and just talk with God. I went off somewhere quiet and I thought I don't know how to do that anymore I'm so busy doing 
I mean, we were studying and writing papers and dissecting and figuring out what the word mean and doing all this stuff. I felt like I was in a room and the lights were off and I don't know where the light switch is and I don't know how to turn it on. I don't know how to contact God anymore. I am so isolated. So I had Peggy make me a cross stitch. Then I hung on my wheel in my study, on the wall in the study. Not study more, believe more. You see, we were so studying and working in the Word of God that there wasn't time just to stop and believe. Stop and be touched. Here's what I found in all of my studies. I know less now than I did after all of the preaching time, 18 years as a pastor, nine more years of teaching, and there was a time way back I could write you a paper and define anything you wanted to know and give you almost a black and white answer of everything. But then as I've spent more time studying and reading, I realize I knew very little. Most of us know very little. But I do know this. I'm getting to know Jesus in that. Let's go back to that passage in Matthew. This is an interesting passage. I'm going to show you how little I know. Okay. This passage of, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We all know that passage well. But you know that passage is out of a larger context. Context of a passage. There's a preacher I heard once, he said, if you take a text out of context, all you're left with is a con. You can make a text say anything you want if you take it out of what? Context. Let me just show you here in this passage as I've studied it, I've spent a lot of time on chapter 11, 28, 30, because that's the main passage. But this passage actually starts back in verse 20. Here's what he says in verse 20. Then he began to reproach the cities which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You shall descend to Hades, for if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, you would have remained until this day. Nevertheless, I say to you, that it shall be more tolerant for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. He's talking to about, first off, a couple cities very close to where he lived. From the Sea of Galilee where he had preached and taught and done many miracles. And he's condemning those cities. Why? Because even though they saw the miracles, even though they saw the teaching, they would not what? Repent. Repent. 
They wouldn't believe. They wouldn't repent. And he's condemning them for this action. He's saying, it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah when it comes judgment day than it's going to be for you. Well, was Sodom and Gomorrah pretty wicked? Boy, you can't get any more wicked than that. So as I read this, I'm thinking, so is there different degrees of punishment in hell? Passage seems to say that. It's going to be what? More difficult for you than for them. And I look at it and I'm going, I don't know how to explain that. I don't know how to explain that. But you know what I know is true? What he just said is true. What he just said is true. I can't figure it out. I've ceased to try to put everything into its place and try to say what happened. Let's go further. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hid these things from the wise and intelligent and did reveal them to babes. Now, he just condemned these cities for not believing. And what has he just said here? Unless you reveal it to them, they can't believe. Isn't that what he's saying? So you're condemning one city for not believing, and I believe that's true, but you're also saying God chooses to reveal sometimes to whom he wants, and in this case, not to the wise, but to what? To babes. And I'm going, how do I reconcile those two together? I don't know how. But you know what I know is true? Both of those are true. You know where that leaves me? Wow. I don't have the mind of God to be able to put those pieces together and explain to you how they work, but I do know this. God is carrying it all out, and it's fair, and it's right, and I have no idea how that works. Let's finish as we go forward. Verse 26, Yes, Father, for thus it is well-pleasing in thy sight. To do it this way is what? It pleases you. Now, verse 27, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to do what? Reveal him. He's saying that same authority and power that you had, God, to reveal or not reveal has been now handed to me and I have the power to reveal you to whomever I what? Choose to. I don't know how to fit that one with this whole idea, but what I do know is God's word is what? It's true. How do we fit that together? We don't. Because we're not what? We're not God. We don't have the mind of God or the ability. All of this fits perfectly together. But as I read it, so when he finishes saying, I reveal whom I want you, he now turns and he says, so come to me. Who? Who am I calling? The weary and heavy laden. Not the wise, not the wealthy, not all of those, because they don't think they need it, do they? They're doing just fine. I'm keeping the laws pretty good. I'm at a 78% level average. That's good enough to pass any college exam. Some of us are up to 82%. It's a good, you know, we're comfortable with our system, 
And Jesus said, I'm calling those who are wore out with this system. Come to me, those of you who are weary, exhausted, to that point you can't go any further, and heavy laden. That word heavy laden is a verb that's in a passive voice. Now, there's an active voice, meaning it's something you do. There's a middle voice, meaning something you do for your own benefit. A passive voice means something somebody else has done to you. This heavy load is something that other people have what? Put on you. I'm calling the ones that can't carry it anymore. I've got this list of what a Christian ought to be. This is exactly what I need to be, and I'm trying to get my act together. Who gave me that list? People. I'm now carrying that list, believing somehow if I can only get that together, if I can only read my Bible enough, if I can only do all of this, then what? Then I'll be okay. But the load is getting to what? Heavy. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest means refreshing. To cease from all your efforts. To lighten your load. I want you to yoke in my yoke, join with me, and we'll walk together through life. I'll never be far. I'll be right there with you. You're never alone. Join with me in that yoke. For I am humble and meek, and my load is light, and my yoke is easy. Easy and light. Meaning there are some things God wants us to do but when we get into this mode that somehow we have to do it to earn that love, that's being a Martha, isn't it? We should do good things. For we are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, unto good works that he has beforehand planned that we would do. We should just do what he has given us in our hearts to be. For now... If we are truly born again, we are what? Children of God. All we have to do is act like what? Children of God. Here's what I found back to Luke, chapter 10. I wrote all these nice notes and I'm forgetting to follow them happens sometimes. I worked hard for this, folks. And I get here and I'm going, Lord, you're going to have to guide this message because what you've given me is in my heart. How do I get it out so it can be heard? Here's what I find. Over and over, I'm returning to Jesus, wore out, tired, exhausted, and asking him to what? Would you give me rest again? But then it isn't long before I hear a new list of what I should do and I have to now go back out as Martha and try again till I'm exhausted, weary, and tired and I come back to him again and I say, would you give me rest? You know what I expect him to say? When I sit you down, stay there. <laughs> Stop being a Martha. Just be a Mary. And my answer would be, Lord, I don't know if I know how. 
Watch what Peggy does. It's easy for her. See, Peggy just believes. Jesus said it. I'm still trying to prove it until I come to the end of my rope, and then I what? Just believe. So I recycle from Mary to Martha to Mary to Martha to Mary. Well, in that situation, after Martha has complained loudly to Jesus about her sister who has the nerve to go sit down, I believe it's exactly where she wanted to be. She doesn't feel welcome yet. Why? Hasn't done what? Enough. Hasn't done enough. Here's what he said to her in verse 41. But the Lord answered and he said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary, really. Just one. For Mary has chosen the good part, and it shall not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the good part. Well, there's a day when all our efforts on earth are going to be over, and we're going to move from this life to a heavenly life. Now, if you're Mary, what a good day that is is you're not worried about whether you've done enough. Because you never could do enough. True? Can't. So you just what? I rested. He said, come and I will give you rest. I took him at his word and I sat down and I haven't moved. I'm right here. If you're a Mary, it's a good day. If you're a Martha, it's a scary day. Because you expect to get up there, for me, it might sound like, well, I think two times your name, and I've done this before, I think three is worse. Bob, Bob, Bob. Here's what I think he might say. I am so sad. I gave you everything, and look how bad you messed up. You're getting in here by the skin of your teeth. I am so sorry I ever chose you because you never could what? Do enough for me. So you're going to enter into heaven, cowered down with your head down, going, I wanted to be a Mary. I really did. I didn't know how. But now that I think it over, I think that conversation might go just a little different. It might be more like this. Bob, 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 I am so saddened that you lived your life without my love. I'm so sorry that you never were able to rest in what I had done for you. You started out as a merry and you reverted back so quickly to be a Martha. You traded a relationship with me for religion. Busy religious work. Everybody thought you were doing great, but you left me. 
I'm so sorry you thought you had to earn my grace. What saddens me the most is that my love for you was always here. But you could not hold on to it and live in joy. Welcome home, Bob. You are so, so loved. I think that's more how it goes. Jesus will be the one who lifts our head. He says, don't come in with your head down. You are my child. You've always been my child. So I don't know if any of you understand what it is to be a Martha. Maybe some of you do. I pray you're all Marys. I pray every one of you have settled that. But I think an awful lot of us, unbeknownst, have started out on a path of resting and went back to work trying to earn it. And we are constantly defeated because we can't live up to a standard that God said you could never live up to. But you can receive my grace and my love and rest and hear me. There's a psalm that David cries out, and he says, Thou, Lord, art shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. Thou, Lord, art shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. I tell you, I look forward to the day he said, Lift your chin, Bob. You did well. But I messed up. There were times I didn't do well. There were times I didn't get it right. There were times I just kept falling back into the same old sins and problems. He said, I always knew that. You see, the day he chose us and saved us, he knew how we would finish. He knew everything in our life. And he says, in spite of all of that, I what? I love you. I love you. Do I want you to do good? Yes. But I don't want you to do good to earn what I gave you. Do good because I have, by my grace, saved you. I'd like to have you learn this song. I'm not going to have an accompaniment here. Some of you know it, I think. And if you do, sing out loud with me.